Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the One Shot Movement podcast. My name's Craig Schultz. I'm the host, and I'm excited to interview an incredible LinkedIn guru today. He's recently voted the most influential number one LinkedIn guys in the Southeast Asia Pacific region by his peers. His name's Nathaniel Bibby. He's the founder of Bibby Consulting, and he's an incredible entrepreneur of an incredible story. This episode is highly educational. So if you're looking to build a business on LinkedIn, you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Welcome Nathaniel Bibby to the One Shot Movement podcast. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the One Shot Movement podcast where we interview incredible entrepreneurs that are movers and shakers, diving deep into their wisdom, their success stories, pulling out success tips to help you grow and evolve as a leader. The One Shot Movement is all about you've got one shot at life, go out there and give it your best shot, whatever that is for you. I'm super excited about today's interview because we've got the founder of Bibi Consulting, Nathaniel Bibby. This guy here is an incredible social media influencer. This year he was voted the best use for LinkedIn. He was also, by the Social Media Institute, ranked the number one LinkedIn expert in Asia Pacific, which is an incredible uh, award and to receive in the industry, recognised by your peers. Recent times he was just doing a tour of Australia, doing a LinkedIn challenge for Instagram and he had uh, he was the LinkedIn guru versus an Instagram guru and he's interviewed some of the biggest thought leaders in the world for his own brand and business as well. Welcome Nathaniel, I'd love to hear you share a little bit more about your background. What an awesome introduction, thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a salesperson originally um, and, and soon learned that I've you know, growing up, that's uh, the best salespeople got the best quality leads. And, um, you know, well, I think, I think it was at uh, university when I first ordered my, ordered my first pizza online. Um, and I've always thought it was confusing how we were starting to just slowly start to buy by the internet, but we weren't learning how to market that way. Um, and so I've just been um, fascinated by how digital marketing's evolved from, from Google, SEO, AdWords to social media. Um, LinkedIn's been absolutely phenomenal for my business and um, you know it, we, it, it definitely keeps us on our toes things are always changing as you know and I guess we'll talk in the other thing you've uh, been quite prominent in is capital raising and that for companies as well is that an area you still focus on yeah absolutely I mean the reason that I'm focus on LinkedIn marketing is because I've always had clients come to me looking for more leads and you know in a business to business context or professional services we've always well not always but um, in the last seven years we've had uh, best results with LinkedIn and, and just um, I've noticed that it's a very powerful tool for finding investors um, raising capital whether it be for real estate um, for startups for um, even for, for funds and stuff like that it's quite easy to profile Investors, a lot of the time they mention that they're an investor in their profile and that they're seeking opportunities to invest in. So they're quite easy to reach and set appointments with. Wow. And, and 
we have had a bit of a chat on the phone prior to this interview and we're talking a bit about where did your entrepreneurial journey start and you talked about I guess a defining moment where you were raising money to go to a Tony Robbins event can you go back to that point in time and share a bit about that story sure well I mean growing up if I go back even further and growing up um I moved we moved to Hong Kong when I was five and I saw my dad catch about 70, 80 flights a year um, and went to boarding school when I was 10. And you know, so one of the big themes of my childhood was not seeing uh, my, my dad or my family as much as I would have liked to. Um, and he was out entertaining clients. So I was always fascinated by what he was doing um, and looking for, uh, you know, some answers as to, you know, how there might be a better way to do it rather than running around the, country, the world entertaining clients. And um, <clears throat> I discovered this Tony Robbins guy, very young, on and I watched his videos and was fascinated by some of the insights that he had. Um, and when I first got into business, I, you know, when, when, you, when you've got something that's very effective and you're good at sales, you can grow pretty quickly. Um, but you've got to learn along the way very quickly as well how to facilitate that growth. Um, and I think it was in the first eight or nine months, we went from you know, being 20 grand in debt to having, I had a team of seven, I think it was up at that point. Um, and, you know, I just kept growing and then quite often it got to the pattern where by the end of the month, I'd have to run out and close, you know, enough business to pay for everyone's salary. Um, and then just one month, I couldn't pay one person and, and just slowly that just imploded and I ended up, you know, with, with um, just me and my secretary. And uh, I was just before about, about to go to Tony Robbins and I just really knew I had to get there. And we realized that we hadn't booked my flight. We've got the accommodation, we got the tickets and everything. Um, so I ended up having to borrow some money for the flight from a friend of mine. And then when I got to the airport, so yeah, I paid for that taxi to Tony Robbins with um, the change I had in my pocket and two credit cards. Uh, and I didn't have any money for food or anything like that. I got there about 10 a.m., left at two in the morning, a completely changed person. Tony Robbins changed my life that day. And that, that was only day one, four days. And I've done 12 events since then um, with Tony Robbins. And, uh, you know, when, when I, it's funny because I hadn't eaten all day and I didn't know how to get back to my hotel. And I thought, well, the only way I'm going to be able to get back there is to get in the taxi and when I get to the hotel, I'm just going to give him my card and act surprised when it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, so I did, I did and I gave him the card and, and he's, you know, said, would you like a receipt? Thank you, sir. And I thought, how, how the hell did I, I still to this day don't know where the money came from, but about $500 popped up in my account that night. Very strange because I think it was like a Friday evening or something like that. So for, for money to pop up at that time of night was a bit strange. Um, and then, you know, the hotel happened to be right opposite McDonald's, which was open 24 hours. So I went in and had a feast, <laughs> which, um, but yeah, I remember that day very clearly because I had an interesting relationship with money. I think watching my dad, um, travel so much, I kind of wanted to prove that it wasn't important to me. And so when I get it, I used to just spend it, you know, and get rid of it. And, um, you know, I haven't really had the same sort of financial difficulties since that day. Um, my relationship with um, money has definitely changed. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. And if you talk, like, I love sitting down with incredible entrepreneurs that are making things happen. And when you dive into the the story and where they started there's always that similar sort of challenge and struggle and you know for me um, along my journey I remember going to seminar after seminar after a seminar in the space of 24 to 48 months I'd racked up close to three hundred thousand dollars 
worth of investment into different mentorship programs and then I just said to myself one day I know all this now I've just got to go out there and make it happen but you know I I always wonder if I didn't put myself into such a deep hole there whether I would have taken you know as much action as I actually did over the next 10 to 15 years so if you do talk to entrepreneurs it's fascinating to hear people talk about the struggle and an event and or an awakening of some sort and you know hearing you talk about that I can totally relate to it 100% is Tony Robbins then um, is he someone that you continue to listen to mainly um, each day or do you have other entrepreneurs that really give you a lot of insight and inspiration um, well Tony Robbins has uh, I've been to all of his programs he's completely changed everything for me and I do absorb a lot of his content but I'm just more grateful than anything else to him because it's all, he's already made the change. And so when I go to these events now, I volunteer um, and I contribute with him. I serve normally as captain of the microphone team. So if you go to an event, you see the microphones running around. Um, I might be in charge of all those guys. Um, but it's, it's great because, you know, it's such, had such a big impact on me that I'm able to then be a part of it and then see the impact on others. I think there's, there's not much else that I um, have in my life that comes close to that feeling. And you recently, you know, I was quite fascinated um, watching your journey on social media, telling a story um, over the last, say, month, I would say, and you you really had a promotion with uh, a tour of Australia where you had LinkedIn versus Instagram. Was that a PR campaign? Were you doing a JV of some sort? How did all that come about and what was the aim of doing that tour? Well, LinkedIn and Instagram are the two most uh, popular platforms for business people at the moment. And what's interesting is um, the the guys on Instagram that are active on Instagram are quite intimidated by LinkedIn and vice versa. Um, it's interesting. You don't see many that are active on both platforms. And so I, when I was speaking to Brooke Belonovich, who I interviewed on one of my um, LinkedIn Heroes episodes, we quickly noticed the, the similarities between the content that we both teach and, you know, she is very much about adding value, which, you know, a lot, a lot of people talk about very people, very few people practice. Um, she's, you know, so she's on the same page with me there. And it's like, we, we both think that the reason that we've been so successful on both platforms is, is for the same reason. And so we'd like to be able to demonstrate that to the audience. And so we've made it LinkedIn versus Instagram because, um, because it was almost like um, we, we wanted to make it very clear that the lesson was that it's not about the platform. It's not about whether you're on LinkedIn or not about ins- or on Instagram. It's actually about your audience and adding value. And you're not actually going to win. <laughs> so if people think like you're going to go in a boxing match, Gary Vee talks about jab, jab, hook, you jab, jab, hook a customer. But I think that if you walk away from a boxing match with a customer and you've won, then you've lost. It's like <laughs> you, you've, got to, yeah. you've got to go in adding 10 times more value to the customer than you receive financially in return. And so at the end of the, end of the seminars, I'll share with you the, the learning really that we wanted to get across was, um, you know, the, the winner in this out of LinkedIn versus Instagram is you guys because you're our audience, you know. And the average, the average social media user has 5.5 accounts now. So you're still not enough to be on one platform. You've got to be... You know, wherever they want to consume you, you've actually got to be there. 
And that raises so many limiting beliefs for people because they're like, well, I run a business. How can I spend so much time doing that? And well, the answer is you develop new skills and new talents, new resources to be able to do it because your competitors will. And if you don't, you'll, you'll just um, find it very hard to compete in the you know, social media landscape. And, and LinkedIn's obviously, you know, your go-to platform. Um, you're obviously would be on many of the different social channels because it's sort of one um, pretty important in 2019. A lot of the big influencers across social media, like the Gary V's and that, are talking about the omni-channel approach. Um, you love LinkedIn and you really thrive in that space there. What are the key features that you believe that's such a great platform well you can choose your network so on instagram or facebook or um youtube it's not like i can go go request you to be a subscriber and and even if i did like you know where's the value exchange there whereas on linkedin like there's professionals that want to grow their network you don't send them hey come follow me request you send them let's connect so it's like exchanging business cards it's a you know so you can People always say to me, you know, LinkedIn is crap, the newsfeed shit, or the, you know, the content's this, or it's content's that. All of what they're talking about has got nothing to do with LinkedIn, it's to do with their network. If you, if you just sit there and accept uh, connection requests from salespeople and recruiters, you are gonna get sales pitches and recruitment letters. Whereas if you're, if you're being proactive and you're like, okay, my target market is directors of financial services companies in Wollongong, and you just send connection requests to people like that, and show interest in what they do. And before you know it, you've got a thousand connections in Wollongong that have financial services companies. They will all see your content. You can't be more targeted on that than that on any other social channel. And is that the, would you say, because uh, a lot of people are really building a brand and presence on uh, LinkedIn at the moment. There's been like a real big move into that space. Is there is there specific feet? Like I get the audience and you know how you can select your audience, but is there specific? Like, do you think groups are really good there? Is it like your profile structure and you can really, you know, sell yourself well? Yeah, what LinkedIn's done right is because it's it's interesting because they they're still growing their member usage, but they've the session time in the last 12 months, the amount of time that people spend on the platform has tripled, which is very significant. So if they're spending 15 minutes before, they're spending 45 minutes on the platform now. And, and the reason they're doing that is because LinkedIn is managing to serve better content to them in the newsfeed. And uh, like, this is the thing is, is when Facebook uh, got more session time, they decided like, okay, we've got enough attention on the platform. We're obviously the market leader. Let's drive up their paid ads so we can drive up our revenue, decrease the organic reach, Therefore, we'll make more money. This, in the last 12 months, Facebook was the first year Facebook lost, uh, went down in um, members. And the interesting thing is the, the group of, um, the demographic of the people that uh, reduced in, in members the most was the younger demographic. So I think the trend will continue. And LinkedIn are probably looking at that going, maybe we don't drive up the paid ads. Maybe we keep giving the users good content. Therefore, we'll keep you know people on the platform, which means that as a marketer, you can you can um, get a lot of reach organically without paying a cent. When I, when I won the best use of LinkedIn, they were announcing all of the people in the finals and it was like million dollar campaign, hundred thousand dollar campaign, million dollar campaign. It was me. Um, and I, I didn't think to mention it when I took my um, award, but I spent zero dollars on that campaign. So you can actually get more reach spending less if you know, if you know how the algorithm works. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity for, for people that are moving on to LinkedIn. LinkedIn have even, said that they give you more reach in your first post 
because they want to encourage people to stay on the platform. So if you, I mean, if you haven't posted yet, you're going to, you're at advantage already. Um, and you know, video is very powerful. They're going to introduce LinkedIn live very soon. Um, I've just got it a few days ago. So a lot of exciting things happen, happening on there. And, and with Facebook, there's a really big, strong push around, you know, I guess to be seen, you just have to pay effectively on Facebook these days. You're saying on LinkedIn, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And how do you compare the two paid options in terms of advertising on both platforms if you were to pay in LinkedIn? Oh, I think they're both awesome. You just got to know how to use them properly. Like it's, it's a, most people who use Facebook ads use them. I think it's awesome. It's a fantastic ad platform, but most people do it wrong. Most people don't get the return on investment. Um, I am really passionate about organic reach because it's based on how good you are. So it's like, you know, how much value are you providing? How much, how engaging are you really? Because if it's not good, it won't get promoted. And then what I like to do is pick the content which does well and then amplify it. But that's all very top of the funnel stuff. So that's all but basically, you know, before there's a need recognition, we're, we're posting content to get touch points with the, with the potential client. And then what you want to do is use paid ads to retarget those people that have watched your videos or showed interest or been to your website and br bring them down the customer journey and make it very easy for them to buy off you. I mean, I think that's, that's what's shifted really with the social media marketing is we don't sell to people on social media. We make it easy for them to buy because most people want to buy especially if they've got the problem that you solve or they're interested in what you do they actually want to buy they just don't want to be sold to and, and you mentioned like oh, i just want to rewind a little bit you said if you know uh, organic's really easy on linkedin if you know the algorithm is there any things there that you could share that you know about giving away all your ip um that could well you can be more than welcome to hear it the reason i frame it like that is because uh, I, I think it's important for people to align with the, the objectives of the platform. So, because this is always changing its algorithm, right? So people think, okay, so now engagement, getting engagement, likes or comments really quickly on a post is important and you get more reach that way. Um, but the reason that LinkedIn have made that, it, it that way is because um, they want to serve their users better content. So if you start manipulating the algorithm and saying, okay, I want to get 200 people to like my post who, and I'll like their post back, like join an engagement pod, for example, which is basically like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That, that's a manipulation method. And yes, it will work in the short term in terms of getting you more eyeballs, but you'll never learn what content actually engages your customer. And when LinkedIn updates its algorithm, you'll be, you'll be left in the dust. So I, I try to encourage people not to go for the short term hacks um, and to focus on the long term, which is adding value to your audience, making sure they're engaged with your content, responding to their comments. Um, and you try and get engagement fast, you know? So the way to do that is through storytelling and triggering emotions. Like, so triggering emotion will get them to engage. Storytelling will get them to remember your content and, and engage again. Um, so, you know, whether it's asking questions or, or talking about something that um, is likely to have an emotional response in people, like if you talk about mistakes people do, you, you'll get way more engagement, three times as much engagement than if you talk about tips and tactics, you know? Um, yeah. So w instead of going, these are the three productivity tips that I recommend, these are the biggest three productivity mistakes that people make, and that's already giving you three times more engagement, I reckon. Yeah, and, and you would definitely, um, so if you had a video, for example, that you wanted to use, say, use uh, someone else's content, if you use a link, for example, from YouTube, and then you wanted to talk about that, does that downgrade your reach? Absolutely, yeah. 
yeah. yeah. It, it, so again, like all these social media sites, they, they want to keep the users on the platform. So as soon as you start throwing links in your content, um, it becomes counterintuitive for LinkedIn to promote it to your audience, as, as long as it's as long as it's not paid for. If it's sponsored, it's a bit different. But um, so you know, rather even sharing stuff on LinkedIn, like if you share my post, not many people will see it. But whereas if you download the picture, post it yourself, more people will see it. So when I do these interviews, this is a little hack for you. I don't know if you're already doing this or not, but when I do these interviews, I always give the person I interview the actual raw footage of the video so they can post it themselves. Yeah. Or exposure that way. Yeah. Um, now that's a really good tip, actually. So if you are trying to build, you know, content, um, share it with someone that you're using and, and get them to post it as well. What, so, Everyone's so protective of their IP, but it's like, you know, what's the difference? I mean, you, it's all out there for people to take if they want to. And I think like, there's just so much content that it's not about being scarce anymore. It's about having really good quality content. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned when we were talking the other day um, prior to this podcast about, you know, the journey to to date and, and 2019's been, you know, it's blue skies moving forward for Bibi Consulting. You know, you're getting recognised third-party recognition internationally. Um, where do you see your brand and vision over the next three to five years? Um. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, and, and, you know, it's nice to be recognised by the industry. Like those particular awards, um, the judges are from, you know, the likes of, you know, Spotify, Yahoo, Uber, um, you know, those kind of things. So it's nice that the industry is starting to recognise and I hope that it'll allow us to be able to help more businesses. And my, my ultimate goal is to bring families closer together and, you know, some of the if I can um, allow business owners to spend more time with their families because of the systems that we provide, um, that would be an awesome legacy for me to leave. And I just want to, um, I want to impact as many people as possible, which means, you know, hitting the, the international speaking circuit. I'm running more, more events. I just started running events in the last year. I'm having so much fun with it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how profitable the whole thing is, but it's so much fun organizing your own events. You've got complete control over the, the whole thing. People are getting so much value. People are leaving our events going, uh, where was the sales pitch? I'm like, well, the, you know, there isn't one. Um, and they said, wow, I've never been to a marketing conference before without a sales pitch. And I'm thinking, geez, that's interesting, isn't it? Because imagine the impact we can provide by just delivering value on scale and doing it offline as well. Um, you know, I think that uh, social media is, is not really about LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, whatever platform. It's about relationships and people just get a little bit lost because they're so used to marketing being this transactional thing Whereas social media is not the transactional at all. Um, it's, it's a very different environment to what we've been used to in the past. And it's about creating conversations. Your objective should not be to be present. Like I was at this panel in um, Startup Grind a few days ago and, and one of the experts was saying that his objective on Instagram is to be present. And I was like, fuck that, well, you, be present. Like that, that's a self-serving thing. Like I, you, you wanna create conversations. Being present doesn't mean shit. You can be present and not be delivering value to anyone. You want to create conversations with people, all right? And, and, you, and if you want those conversations to lead to relationships that people buy from you, that's fine. But it doesn't have to be. But there's no point in being just being present, throwing a billboard up and not measuring results. That's, I think that's a cop-out, really. 
Yeah, that's a really good way. Like there's so many people that run these big events and they put them on for free but then they'll give you a little and at the end if you want more that's this massive big sales pitch and you've gone to a free event and you've really literally learnt nothing, just heard their story and, you know, it's a a big uh, turn off to many out there. So if you could go into an event and provide absolute value, people will just want to buy what you're selling anyway. Um, it's very interesting because I, I love selling from stage, but in the last 12 months I've tested it and it's undeniable. Um, we are getting more business not selling. <laughs> yeah. And just, just wrapping up, I always ask a few quick questions. Um, do you have a favourite quote? Yeah, proximity is power by Tony Robbins. <laughs> uh, what about your favourite book or podcast that you turn to when you want to listen to some content? Uh, I read lots of books, um, so it does. There's so many I could recommend. I'm thinking about what am I reading at the moment. I'm reading um, these Twelve Rules for Life by what's his name? Is it Jordan Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson. Yeah, he's a, he's a very switched on character. I reckon every every man, young man should read that book. I find it very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, what would you say the best piece of advice is that you've ever received in business entrepreneurship? Um, well, that, yeah, so who you surround yourself with has is, is, is been very important. Also, um, I think, uh, I'm just going to think that we get this right because I think well, I'm going to have to name drop Jack DeLosa here because I do, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful when I do get these pieces of advice, but I went to one of his um at, uh, afternoon what do you call them, boardroom things and yeah. you know he's, he's delivering all this content and i thought oh fuck, i'm just going to interrupt him and i stood up and i said look jack i've got a question i said um i've been running my business for a couple of years now and uh we deliver results without question you won't find one client that's worked with me that doesn't say they deliver results but they seem to stick around for about six months seven months and then they leave and i'm thinking you know we've done everything we can i've got a retention problem and he said, how much do you charge? I said, oh, two grand a month on average. He goes, what did you charge when you start your business? And I said, two grand a month on average. He said, are you better at what you do now? And I said, yeah. He goes, look, if it was my business, I'd triple my prices, but I want you to double your prices. If you do that, come back, tell me what the results were. And we went from six months, uh, we doubled my prices, and we went from um, an average retention of six months to 18 months. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. We were, I mean, they, they valued it more, but also we were able to deliver the service they wanted. I, I had this limiting belief that we we had to charge that price and we couldn't deliver the service they wanted because of the price. But I, didn't, I never considered the fact that I could double the price and give them what they wanted. That, that was really valuable for me. Jack DeLosa really um, woke me up with that one. I think that was fantastic. Great. And if you had to start again, um, what would you, uh, how would you approach building your business today um, if you had to start it all over again, is there, you know, like, is it you would go out to your network? Like, how would you do it? Yeah, I, I definitely did it the right way in terms of um, using networks. And before I left my job, I was, I was building connections uh, on LinkedIn with potential partners. Niche, niching was a really good move for me. I, the only thing that I guess um, I could have uh, done better was, I, think, I don't think it's cash flow management. I just think it was literally like... Um, just, just slowing down a little bit, like this time, you know, you don't have to be the biggest or the best, the quickest. When I started out, I wanted to have the biggest LinkedIn marketing agency in the world. I had this vision of like 120 account managers. And now if you offered me that business for free, I wouldn't take it. I, I, I want less customers 
who pay more, that are, uh, appreciate what we do more, that are happy. I don't want 100 staff anymore um, at all. And, and I think we can have more of a bigger impact that way. Um, so I think this, not, I don't, I'm not saying go slow, like make decisions quickly, but I think, you know, you don't, you don't have to do everything tomorrow. You know? Great. And it, I always ask people at the end where uh, we can find more out from you and is there a website, is there, you tell me or you tell the audience where, um, where the best places are to find you. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think um, LinkedIn is a great one for to learn more about marketing, like to follow my content there, connect with me. I always check my messages. Of, um, depending on what I got on, I you know it might take up to a week to get back to some of them, but I do get back to all of them. And um, Instagram's more behind the scenes. If you want to know what really goes on when <laughs> when you're building a business, like Instagram Stories is where I chuck it all. Basically, the, the rule of thumb that I have is if it's not suitable for LinkedIn, it ends up on Instagram. So it's Nat, Nat Gibby on Instagram and. The, and Nathaniel will be obviously on LinkedIn. Cool. And just, uh, I guess, in summary, like it's been um, an incredible session today for everyone on the One Shop Movement podcast because we've sort of really gone into a bit of depth into some social media strategy and even talked about a few hacks and the power of one of the biggest and fastest growing social media platforms. But the joy of today has been hearing it all from the guy that was, you know, one of the most influential people on LinkedIn in in 2019 and recently voted the number one in Asia Pacific. So on that note, we'd like to uh, thank Nathaniel for coming on and um, no problem. And as I always say to everyone, you got one shot at life, go out there and give it your best shot, whatever that is for you, whether it's climbing the corporate ladder, building a business um, or just becoming the best version of yourself. Live with passion and purpose and make sure that you never have any regrets. So till next week, we look forward to seeing you all very soon.